This is your Act One Beginners Call. Act One Beginners. Hello for this surprise midweek uh, episode to Act One Beginners Call podcast. I am Gigi. And I'm Olivia. And this was a slightly spontaneous uh, episode. I have white wine. What do you have, Olivia? I, I've had a cider and I thought... Because this may go on for quite a while and we're talking, we're going to be talking quite a lot about cats, I needed to be drunker. <laughs> so I've got... Because it's a psychedelics experience, <laughs> yes. isn't it? I've got gin liqueur, it's a posh, it's a fruity gin, and a ginger ale mixer. Very classy. Yeah. Lovely. So we have literally just finished watching cats. It is Friday night, we are filming this, we've just had cats, and... What were your thoughts on it? Because cats you don't know as well, right? No, I had like heard of... So basically most of my knowledge about cats comes from the marketing for the movie last year. Whatever Taylor oh. Swift posted. The song Memory and McCavity and Mr. Mistopheles, the names thrown out. I had kind of heard of uh, McCavity, a few lines of that I did recognise. The same with Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. But I basically knew that... It was about poems about cats. Yeah. And they w- no it's basically a musical for furries. <laughs> and that's effectively <laughs> it. Well, so if you do not know cats, it is the collection of cat poems. I guess that yeah. Andrew Webber based everything on and it leads up to the whole thing is about which cat is going to be reborn. Which, no, it's about which cat gets to go on a weird spaceship to space. No. Okay, it's about a cat who goes on a spaceship. It, it like it, even in the production, there's like a weird light uh, arm thing that comes down. Elaine Page steps onto it, and then she's flung off into the sky. Yeah, that happens. But I was very disappointed, as has been said, how much I hated the fact that the Jellicle Ball was not done as a number it was done as the credits right yeah and i'm going to justify myself slightly further in that it should have been a, it could have been this massive dance number mm. and about how it's just a bop right yeah that would have been a great number to begin on and end on jellicle ball and that whole sequence and the whole musical it had more dance in it than i realized it would yeah, it's very dancing. It felt very old school musicals to me. Like, a few songs that were basically there to make it a musical. And then just a lot of dancing mm. and not much else. No, that's true. Also, I had the realisation, and you're going to probably hate yeah. me for this. Oh, Jesus. However, I will stand by this when I say, I think Andrew Lloyd Webber is my parents' generation's Dave Malloy. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, I have a lot of evidence mean. to I back this up. I see what you up. mean. Go on then, give, give us your argument. Okay, so they both decide to base many musicals off weird literature that no one really reads, apart from to do a degree. Like, I know War and Peace is a book you like, but War and Peace, Moby Dick, weird other stuff that... Yes. It's like, no one reads that, Dave Malloy. Uh, Rachmaninoff. A musical about Rachmaninoff. Yeah. It's just like, go with your weird ideas and write a musical. That's what his... But then, like, <laughs> David... Uh, David Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber has T.S. Eliot, poems about cats. What 
the hell? Just these weird inspirations. Like, he heard about Evita on the radio. No one knows about these and cares about them, but they've just made it into these musicals. So people do. broken forms through them, with Great Comet being absolutely mental with its styles and no rhyming. And it's an actor-musician production. Yeah. And then you look at stuff like Cats and Starlight Express and you go, well, Andrew Lloyd Webber's definitely done some weird shit. So I have a feeling Andrew Lloyd Webber is not as far away from your favourite composer as you think, Genevieve. Oh, well. Um, No, I do like Cats because I think although a lot of the songs you don't, you can't can't necessarily sing. No. Or you can sing the odd line. It is just a lot of fun to watch. And it's, it's like I have... I must vouch that I've never taken a psychedelic drug. No. But after listening to the Beatles music, I think that is the closest thing to psychedelic madness I will ever see. I think you had a better time, partly because you had drunk more wine. I feel like it's one of those things that if you had... (laughs) If you did a drinking game, if you did a drinking game alongside it, it would be the best experience. But just watching it, I was just like, I would not pay money to go see this. No, but I, okay. I think well, I I, it's, I didn't enjoy it like I enjoyed Joseph. Yeah, because it isn't as catchy, and a lot of the stuff is samey. But then you have to appreciate the fact that those actors are so—they completely convinced me they were cats. Yeah, it's one of those things that everything about it is amazing. The set, the lighting, the costumes, mm. makeup, the dancing, the actors—it's all great, but. I don't know why that and Phantom are some of the longest running shows in Broadway and the West End when they're like the dullest ones. No, that's true. But I came to the realisation halfway through Act 2 that Cats would be an amazing 90 minutes straight through musical. Cut some of the dull stuff in Act 1 out because I did not care about anything happening in Act 1 effectively. It was just... Mm. I don't know what it was, it just, but Act 2, I actually, quite most of the songs I enjoyed, and it just seemed to have like this yeah. rhythm and life that I preferred over Act 1. So just cut out most of Act 1, shove it all together into one 90-minute act, just no interval, and then you've got, you've got a great show on your hands. And I can yeah. forgive the cat suits then. So I think a common misconception about cats is that it doesn't have a plot. And while it kind of doesn't have a conventional plot in that this this is a character arc mm. that you follow, like anything goes or falsettos, it's... Th- now, this is something that I've found online. The musical cat's about a tribe of jellical cats. All cats are jellical cats. Anyone who says otherwise is mistaken. Who come together once a year under the jellical moon to pat... To, oh, my God. To pick which cat... <laughs> Pick which cat amongst them will be reborn to a new jellical life and ascend to the heaverside layer. And that's when you meet each cat who's like putting for it's like Britain's got talent for cats. And Brian Blessed sorry, it wasn't Brian Blessed um (laughs) (laughs) Brian Blessed played old Deuteronomy. He did! Did he? Yes! Yeah. Wow. Um, so, Old Deuteronomy, Brian Blessed, but not in this Which version. one's Old Deuteronomy again? Is that the one with the really furry coat? 
Yeah, the one who gets kidnapped very, very easily. He gets kidnapped? Despite the fact he's their saviour. So it's basically about a cult. Cats is about a cult. Let's just, let's just be real here. Strip away the layers. It is about cults and sacrifices. It is about an ideology about the end of the world and saviorism. Old Deuteronomy is the cult leader. It's about cats! (laughs) Cats could be a stand-in for humans, Genevieve. It's not that hard of a leap. The Jellicle Ball is like the big event about the end of the world, but you can only be saved if you're good enough. It's about cults. What can I say? I see you, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I see. I'm. I know what you're. I know you. Um, amazing. But so yes, Old Deuteronomy is in charge of all the cats and allows the chosen cat to be reborn. So he's Simon Cow. He's buried nine wives, according to his song. Um, so we're led to believe that he no longer has any rebirths left if you subscribe to the theory that cats have nine lives. Or he's had, like, three lives but has married three times in each of those. Yes. There's nothing stopping you from remarrying. But I will just it's say... It's his cult. He can do the ideology. Oh it's about cult. It's about cats. It's about cats. <laughs> So, yes. So, old Deuteronomy in the film is Judy Dench. I wondered that. So, I was basically just watching because I haven't seen the film. I know you have. But I was going off the trailer trying to work <laughs> out which celebrity it was I was looking at. And I couldn't tell yes. if he was Idris Elba or Judy oh Dench. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I can't remember much about the film, to be honest. <laughs> apart from the fact that was probably the closest thing to a delusion I'll have, I'll have mm. you know. A hallucination. I have to say, Cats is very progressive for its time. It's got it is, isn't it? lots of female parts in it, which yeah, just yeah, and they're not sexualized cats no. either. Well, I, you say that a lot of the camera shots were well, of them apart, wiggling apart their butts from... at the camera, and I was like, this is very yeah, late nineties. It was nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> it was different times, and one scene. Which so I watched this with my roommate. Um, who had never seen Cats before. Mm. Who hadn't listened to the soundtrack, so knew nothing, apart from memory. And we saw the, the scene which normally closes Act 1. Which was that scene? Because I was trying to work I, out I think what it was. it's Victoria, with the white cat doing a little... Dance. Dance, which... Is, is that before EP comes on and sings a bit sensual. of memory? He, yeah. I think it's just just after, actually. And it's when all the cats end up in one big, yeah. massive, sensual routine. I don't really remember it, to be honest. So then we have Monkus Trap. I don't think he's actually called Monkus Trap. I think it was called something different in the thing, but no, in the actual musical. I swear the end credits thing, that was a Monkus Trap. It said Monkus Trap, okay, good. Yeah. I don't think you ever hear his name, because I didn't know that was who he was. You don't was. hear a lot of names. There was Exotica. That's not in the actual thing. They added that because she was an OG member of the cast who wanted to be involved. Also, one of them was just called Etc. And when that came up, I thought they were just going to show loads of random people with no names. But that was just the name. So I was like, okay. (laughs) So yeah, Mungastrak is the leader of the cat. I quite liked his character. Leader of the pack. I did. He's he's the right hand Um, man to the cult leader. The right hand feline. 
He never it. makes a pitch for himself to be born, but he does sing an ode to, to Jenny Any Dots, the cat that he has in mind to be reborn. Okay. And then that's the next one. Jen- Jenny Any Dots is the cat I'd like to be. She's a tap dancing cat. She's in that massive big costume, and she doesn't need that slim figure that people perceive actors and cats to have. I zoned in and out of that song. So when she like was revealed in the car bonnet or whatever, yeah. and like was lying down in her big kind of hoop skirt dress skin thing, mm. I kind of like zoned out because I was just like, this is a bit dull. I don't know why you're singing or who you are. And then suddenly she was tap dancing without her coat thing on. And I was just... Yeah. Well, she's the mum. She's the mum of the group. She teaches mice skills because she doesn't like the fact that cats eat them. She's like a vegan cat. Okay. Like, vegans don't want anything bad to happen. But sometimes they tap dance to get their way out of it. And then my favourite cat is Rum Tum Tugger. Most because John Partridge was slaying it. So Rum Tum Tugger is the rock star cat. And he was just awesome. And that is Jason Derulo. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Then we had Grisabella, who, spoiler alert, is the one who gets reborn. Uh, she does nothing. She does fool. I'm sorry, but she just walks around, <laughs> sings a little bit of the good song, and then just goes in a spaceship. And you're like, all right, EP, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know the context of Grisabella? Well, I guess she's got, like, an injured leg because she's... And no one seems to like her because they're all... Some people want to seem to help her, but then others tell them not well, to. Well, that she's shunned for her physical appearance. Okay, yes, boo-hoo. So was Phantom of the Opera. That didn't make him the good guy. <laughs> it's such a downfall from Evita. She was literally playing no. Evita a few years earlier, which is such a banging role. You're on stage, like, all the time. And then suddenly she's just walking around in a cat costume singing half a song and then she did cats before evita no evita was before cats really evita was their big hit their first big hit that wasn't revolved around the bible ah um so grisabella is she was a glamour cat and she left the tribe to pursue her dreams and then it's like the kind of starlet fall from grace and so she became this withered old mangy cat and so then when she comes back, they're all like, oh my god, it's Grisabella. We can't let her back. She left us. Is this something you have to read in the programme to understand? Because this is my thing with musicals. If you have to tell me the information in re- in writing, then you're not doing a good enough job because you're <laughs> meant to be telling me the story and it's obviously not working. That's true. Uh, can you guess what Cat James Corden was in the film? Shit. Uh... It was a big cat who likes to eat. Oh, the guy the with the rose on his... Yes, Buster Vagina. Yeah, I did think that when he came on. And then we have Gus the Theatre Cat. I quite... Okay, so my I quite liked him. I, again, zoned out yeah. halfway through because I just... Yeah. I wasn't invested in the show, I think. I just... Maybe it's one I have no. to see live. I don't know. It just didn't grip me. So none of my none of us have actually seen it at all. My mum hasn't listened to it at all. So she went into it blind. Didn't particularly like it from the sounds of it. Um, my dad has listened to the cast recording though. And there was a big song 
in the middle of Gus's bit, which has been cut from that performance, partly because it has some really bad uh, characterizations and basically a, like, mild racism about Chinese uh, characters. Really? It's like Chinese caricatures in part of it. And so it's been cut. But it's really good musically and it's like a good strong song compared to other ones. So it's that thing where you're like, you've just lost a great song, but I get why you've cut it. But could you maybe like rewrite yeah. it so it's just in there? Maybe rewrite... Oh, I don't know. It wasn't even a big part of it. You could have easily removed those caricatures, become PC and actually not offend people. But no, let's just get rid of a good song. Have, have so. a bop. Also, it had like a um, bit of Italian opera style in there. It did. So Gus, if you aren't familiar with the show, is kind of Grisabella's fiercest competition to being reborn. Yeah, Gus should have gone. I'm sorry. He was like ready to die. He should. They'd be like, he's the old thespian cat. He's had a great career. And, you know, he didn't... What I loved about his song, it was all close-up mm. on his face. And it was all... Like, it didn't need big belting notes. It was all very intimate, very subtle. And it got me quite emotional. It reminded me of my granddad. Aww. It just... Yeah, it that song does get me from the... I do zone out, but then when I zone back in, it's nice. Yeah. You know? Grisabella should have not been chosen. I'm sorry, Gus was like, he literally, yeah, just let him go. Well, yeah, he deserves palsy. it. Yeah, the next cat, I think we both loved, mm. which is McCavity. Yeah, McCavity's very very cool. Doesn't sing as far as I'm aware, but it's a big dance part. Mm. Is the antagonist in the story, even though I think. It's a character that should be developed further as a proper antagonist because that would make the plots stronger. Both McCavity and Mr. Mistopheles don't sing themselves. They just basically dance no, while others they are sing. dance roles. Yeah. Which is weird yes. because they're like the two good songs. But I, I quite liked McCavity, yeah. It just suddenly kind of came out of nowhere where everything was quite slow and samey. Mm. Or not, well, maybe not saying, but like, number. yeah, and it just suddenly loads of colour, loads of movement that was kind of fun and energetic. And I was just like, okay, I'm here for this. And that's when yeah. I kind of like around the that time and Gus, I was like, if you had just merged Act Two with Act One, it would have been a banging in out show. So next we've got Skimble Shanks, who is the very good cat, who's the railway cat who keeps England's train schedule working like clockwork. Oh, I quite liked him, I quite him, liked yeah. that song. Yeah. And, like, I don't remember any, any tune. Mm. But I remember going, oh, this is quite nice. And then Mr. Mistopheles, who, I when I saw it live, because I was doing Arts Awards at the time, so I went with our school group. Mm. And it was, it's the song I remember the most because of, so Mistopheles is famous for doing Fuetes in the Air, she don't know ballet is like a turning move where your leg is out the side and it, it means to whip doesn't comes it? into a pyramid position to whip basically yeah god look at me look at you remembering grade five ballet a lifetime of ballet and i finally remember what a turn means <laughs> helen would be proud i know so mr mistopheles is the cat that manages to conjure back old deuteronomy after he's been kidnapped because Olivia, if you don't remember, a massive white net got flung over his head. Did it? <laughs> I honest to God don't remember that part. <laughs> the cavity came in and 
shot some lightning in the air. <laughs> and then his minions took old Deuteronomy. I think I was Googling Starlight Express at that time. Oh my God. <laughs> Which, okay, the history of Starlight Express is actually quite interesting. Did you know Starlight Express is the longest running and most well-known musical in Germany? It's been running since 1988, roughly, in a purpose-built theatre since 1988. And I'm just like, okay, Germany, you do you. Thank you for that yep. contribution. You're welcome. So, <laughs> Mr. Mistopheles, he's basically, apparently, a kitten who doesn't get reborn yet uh, because of his age. But he gets a really good bop. Yeah. He gets a big colourful number. See, we don't care if it doesn't help the plot, as long as it's a bot. Exactly. And those are all the main cats. As far as I'm aware... Oh! We can't forget Mungo Jerry and Rumpel. Oh yeah, I quite liked their song. Which are the two cat burglar... I I remember that because the gymnastics involved Mm. in that. And the strength that you need to do that. So, something I remember about Grisabella, so I was very lucky to get onto a and a with Emma Hatton. If you don't know her, she played Alphabet in Wicked. She was a standby and then she took over the role permanently. Uh, she played Ava Perron in the revival of Evita. I think it was the original one in Evita. Uh, but there'll be more about that in our fourth episode. Very exciting. And she actually, like Elaine Page, then last year played Grizabella in Cats. Mm. And she was talking about how she had three days rehearsal. Mm. And the rest of the cast had four weeks before going into tech. Because of the amount that Grisabella does, yeah. she only needs to be in three days. She just stumbles about and then goes. And you're like, okay, bye. And then it's the part you remember, you kind of remember. And then all the song that's known. Yeah. Which is kind of mad. If you've been training for three years, you get out your first job's cats. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is so cool. And then the one who steals the show is the one who rocks up five weeks into rehearsal. Mm. For a day, still the show. Yeah. Well, that was cats. I have to say, from a lighting point of view, the end was just stunning. The the use of LEDs, I yeah. Lighting and stage were phenomenal. Like the set design for it was great. From the license plate being TSE one for T.S. Eliot. Sorry, I forgot his name for a second. I just blanked on what his name was. <laughs> from T.S. Eliot, which is kind of like the callback to who wrote the poems, to just like the tunnels for the pipes that the cats crawled through, all the bits that they would jump down from. I really loved it. And then they had so much lighting bits within the set itself. It was quite cool. So yes, that was Cats. I don't know what to say about Cats. No, I, I'm not going to rush out and see it again. I l- did love seeing it live. I think you'd be different seeing it live. Yeah, because... I feel like that's the thing with because a lot they of come out into the audience. Yeah. So obviously they were. So the production that was streamed, if you didn't see it, was without an audience. Mm. It was straight through without an interval. It was filmed with close-ups. So it's probably filmed all in all about maybe four times at least, mm. either straight through or in chunks to get different angles. So there were close-ups. There were moving shots. It was filmed not as a capture. No. Like Phantom of the Opera. I quite liked that that style of show. Yeah, so did I. Mm. 
the good thing about these is that Andrew Lloyd Webber has filmed pretty much every single one of his shows in one way or the other. Yeah. And that's so rare in the industry. And it kind of, and in this time where everyone's indoors and you can't see live theatre, it kind of shows that he has this catalogue that he can do week on week and yet others can't. Mm. And it just shows that there is an audience for it, but it, w- it won't ever eclipse live theatre. And it just annoys me that this is something that we've been telling the industry for years that we want, these captured recordings yeah. of shows. And they've gone, no, we're not doing it. Or we'll take years to develop it and release it. And it's kind of, this has happened and we can't see any of them. And they're just kind of suffering in silence. That's true. In America, particularly, if you want to see a show, you subscribe to the streaming site, which is fine. Yeah. But it doesn't make it accessible. At least the coronavirus has allowed theatre to be accessible. Mm. And for people to see cats who may not have been able to see cats when it was in the Palladium. Who knew Yeah, there was such a long period where cats just wasn't being revived or performed anywhere. And then we've got Starlight Express, which... What do you think it's... Do you know what it's inspired by, Olivia? Oh, God, I don't know. Like a weird poster advertising trains or something? <laughs> no, no, no. It's advertised by... It's No, no. It's inspired by Thomas the Tank Engine and the Friends book. Really? Are you... Is that... I'm not kidding. <laughs> right. I don't know if Starlight Express will be one of the ones because it's literally... When you Google it, because this is why I was Googling it, from pretty much halfway through its West End run to 2018, it was being reworked and rewritten to the extent that in 2017, um, Arlene Phillips and Lloyd Webber just looked at him and went, well, this doesn't make sense anymore. And it's nothing to do with the original yeah. plot and have had to like rework it almost entirely. Doing like They did like five workshop runs of it at the other palace in like 2018. So... I don't know if they will mm. show it. If they do, it has loads of songs that have now been cut or redone in different places. So Yeah, so it might be a completely different version to what yeah. we Yeah. I mean it would still be I would be. still want to watch it because it just see it's such a fascinating production to watch, but And one of the revisions was done by David Jasbeck, mm. who has done uh, Women on the Verge of a Nervous okay, Breakdown, yeah. which has been on Broadway. Uh, the band's uh-huh. visit, which has been on Broadway in one God knows how many Tonys. Mm. So there is hope there for that one. And it's the ninth longest running theatrical production in West End wow. history. Oh uh, yeah, it had like so it had like seven thousand performances. It's mental. Lloyd Webber just like dominated for years. He did. Uh other musicals that could be streamed are Sunset Boulevard, which I do love. And it had Glenn Close performing in the concert. He must have a recorded version of it in some form. Even if it's the Broadway version, read a, a London cast. And Whistle Down the Wind, which was really pushed in the concert because that was the year it came out. Yeah. Uh, it was like massive when the concert came out. Yeah. I would be interested to see that as well. Yeah, because I'm not entirely sure of the story. The Bonnie Tyler. Was it Bonnie Tyler? The one that she did, I actually quite liked. The kind of rock and roll vibe. I was like, yeah, I'm here for it. One which um, I do love and I really, really hope is performed is The Beautiful Game, which is... Mm. I think they changed the title to The Boys in the Photograph. 
because in this photograph it showed Protestant and Catholic Irish football players in the same team during the Troubles. Okay, So it could yeah. actually be a really poignant piece yeah. for what's going on at the moment, particularly in Ireland. Um, so what else we talk about this, about cats? Let's just briefly talk about the film. I know you haven't seen it, but as someone who hasn't seen the film, what are your thoughts on it as, you know, you've watched the trailer? What have you seen about it? It's something that looks good. I can see why people dislike it. And obviously I haven't seen the horrifying bits (laughs) that like scare people to death. I don't know. It's probably not a film I will go out of my way to watch. If someone had it on, or like it was on already, I would watch it. But or I don't know if it came on. If it was on the TV t- one night, I may record it and try and watch it. But I wouldn't search for it. It just no. So just to go yeah. through some of the cast: Taylor Swift as Bomber Lorena who has some solo singing parts but doesn't have a cat song for herself. James mm. Corden was Buster for Jones, who is the cat who loves to eat. Then we've got Francesca Hayward, who is the royal ballet principal, who plays Victoria the white cat. Yeah. And then Judy Dench plays Old Deuteronomy, Jason Derulo, Rumtung Tugger, Jennifer Hudson, Grizabella, Rebel Wilson, Rebel Wilson, Jenny Any Dots. And those are kind of the big names. Oh, Idris Elba plays McCavity. Oh, okay. Ian McKellen plays Gus the Theatre Cat. Another Royal Ballet Principal, Stephen McRae, plays Skimbleshanks. And there are some other actors who are quite unknown in respective countries. And so you'd think with actors like that, it would be at least appealing to an audience, but yet it lost $20 million at the box office. Mm. I think a lot of people didn't like it because they didn't know what they were getting into. I think they just heard, it's Cats the Musical, and if you have no experience with what Cats is, because I went into it knowing that I wouldn't know what was happening, and it would be a bit of a fever dream. That's kind of what you get yourself into. Yeah. Um... But I feel like if you are going in as an average audience member who doesn't really care for musicals, maybe, like, your most knowledge of of musicals come from, like, The Greatest Showman. (laughs) It's going to be something completely wild and just scary. Yeah. Like, you can't deny it. It's just a bit weird. That's true. And as someone who has seen the film, I mean, I actually really enjoyed it. Because I know the story is quite weak, actually. Like, there is a plot, but the storyline, there's no arc you follow, as I mentioned earlier. There's no kind of emotional journey. Because it would be great if the story went from the perspective of Grisabella, because then you find out why she deviated, why she left the tribe. Yeah. It is a bit of... I just... Hmm... Yeah. I think, didn't Cat start off... At, no, it was... I think Cat started off as, like, a song cycle and then it oh, really? moved on to be staged. And I can see it working as a song cycle because that's kind of the vibe of it. Yeah. I... I Yeah, Cat's is just... I it, it happened. I'm glad it happened. You don't know why it happened. 
Yeah. I think that is a very good summary for cats in general. Mm. I don't think there's anything else we could talk about in this midweek podcast. Olivia, because this is a surprise midweek podcast, what <laughs> can the people listening expect from episode three this will be? Oh my gosh, I can't actually remember. Um... <laughs> we cover, actually, the Cats the movie and Cats in general is quite a topic that we draw into. Oh yeah, we didn't really cover it much. We didn't. But we've, I think we've made up for it. Yeah, so episode three is us discussing movie musicals, both movies that have become musicals and movies that are musicals. Uh, oh, Olivia, we can't do a podcast episode without a shuffle of the day or the night. Oh, yeah. So, Olivia, you go first and you shuffle for right. us on your Spotify shuffle, shuffle, playlist, shuffle. please. Okay. Ooh. Justice in Paris from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I should say, I rewatched The Hunchback of Notre Dame two days ago, and mm. it emotionally affected me in quite I a way. I have never seen the Disney film. I was not a Disney person growing up. I was a Barbie film person. Oh my so. god. <laughs> Disney kind of went, I missed me a lot. So, Hunchback of Notre Dame was one of those things where I just never watched it. I didn't really... It was such an outlier in the Disney catalogue as yeah. well that I kind of thought of it as an outlier. And I ev- I didn't even really get into the musical until very recently. And it is a gorgeous piece of music. Like, it is just stunning. I cannot recommend it enough. Well, it, I think but, it's a yeah. really good film in... It's the first Disney film that show, that depicted a religion. Uh, mm. Catholicism, and I... <laughs> do you want to say that again, love? <laughs> you were like Catholicism. <laughs> Catholicism. Catholicism. Um, yes, it was the first. Can you allow me to show my eloquency, please? Um, yes, it was the first. It was the first show. <laughs> it was the first show that depicted religion in general. Because if you look at things like Bambi, Dumbo, Aladdin, <laughs> Latin, there's no I religion there. There's, there's... I love how Bambi and Dumbo are your first two shows. Not like <laughs> Cinderella, Mulan, like Princess and the Frog, like n- no Frozen, like, not the big say? ones. What's Bambi! Oh, but the show, but the music, the, sh- the film, actually, mm. I read somewhere it condemns, I'm not going to get political about this, but it condemns abortion for reasons such as because your child has a condition, you know, like having a hunchback, you know. Wait, it, so it's it saying condemns, don't. Yeah, have... it, contem- it condemns aborting for the wrong reason, like because... A child has a condition like having a well, Catholicism condemns no, abortion no, in no, all ways. No, shut! Wait. <laughs> no, separate point. <laughs> Are we just coming from the like hunchback. a Disney American? <laughs> the Hunchback. I'm fucking not sure. <laughs> it's, it's the first film in Disney. Yes. 
religion. And it chooses okay, Catholicism. Yes. Right? Yes. Separate yes. point. It then condemns <laughs> aborting a child, be- you know, because they have a, a condition. It could be genetic or something that they just have a mutation or whatever. Right? It condemns... Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, it condemns villainy. It condemns... What's the word? Selfishness. It it does all those things which so many Disney films are scared to. What is really funny though is Hunchback and Notch Jam has a Disney rating of four plus. You know, for all those things, right? Yeah, it should not have but a rating Hercules, of four plus. But Hercules has a rating of six plus because it has <laughs> Hades smoking for two two seconds. Wow, and Hunchback of Notre Dame literally has someone being attempted to be light on, lit on fire. Yes, and physically and emotionally mm. abused. I mean, that's the thing. Smoke is fine if it's around someone else, but if it's in your lungs, it's not good. And that's a that's lesson, lesson we should take life. away from Love, this. haze, hate smoke. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm glad we've covered this. <laughs> Would you like my shuffle? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I forgot that's what we were doing. I was just like, <laughs> why are we talking about us? So sorry, I'm just gonna um, so I'm just gonna play. I'm just gonna play this because Olivia, you will of course know this. Hiya, this is Olivia. I just realised that. Gigi never mentioned the song that she received when she shuffled, and that was House of Holbein from Six the Musical. I just had a little boogie to that. You did. It was quite funny. So we, of course, saw Six in December. Yes. And I think it is one of those shows I will never tire of hearing because Mm. it is just so much fun. It is female empowerment without enforcing it so heavily. It's... It's rewriting history in the way that it should be rewritten. Not entirely yeah. about this tyrannical king and his wives. It's about arrogance, about Berlin, Seymour, Cleves, Howard Park. It does what a lot of history and stories don't do, is focusing on the victims of people instead of yeah. the perpetrators. Like Hamilton, actually. Uh, which is still a thing... Yeah, it's still a thing that happens today. And the fact that it's taken this long for a kind of mainstream approachable Mm -hmm. way of telling the stories of these six women to be made is kind of yeah but we love six when six first kind of came on the scene we both thought of because the songs if you don't know six and you don't listen to it if you've never listened to it you've never seen it it is cheesy, yeah. especially the opening song. It's a cheesy song, you can't lie. Mm. And I remember us seeing it from West End Live a couple of years ago mm. and thinking, gosh, it's okay, but it's a bit cheesy. And then like, I got into it on my gap year when I was working and I had to do loads of store organisation in storerooms and I needed something to listen to. Yeah. And Six kind of became my saving grace. And I remember telling you and just being like, listen to Six, it's amazing. And you were like, mm. And then suddenly one day you're just, oh my God, Six is amazing, Six is amazing. I was like, yes. <laughs> Finally. Yes. So you have converted. Well, whilst you were working on your gap year, I was doing what you'd done a year before and doing my A levels. And then, so I was doing my A levels. I remember sitting on my sitting room floor, revising, and then No Way came on. And I was like, wow, this is a bop. 
And so it's mm. kind of become our saving graces in different ways. Yeah. I don't know what else to no. do. Should we stop recording there? Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to our random, slightly hyperactive, is the word I'm going to use, midweek mm. podcast of At One Beginner's Cool. I am Gigi. And I am Olivia. And thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Do you want to say anything, Olivia? <laughs> cat suits, cat suits, cat suits. Cat suits, cat... Um, this must be cut out. It's a cat orgy. I, yeah, I know. I remember, I know what you're talking about. But I just don't remember it on Steen, and I will probably not cut that on out. Steen. <laughs> on Steen. No, my dad listens to this. Oh, so does my mum. My dad. <laughs> I'm not having. I'm not having our parents hear me say the words cat <laughs> I'm telling you, I will. I will. I will report you to Spotify. Well, I'm probably going to be making this um, episode explicit anyway, because you've said shit. No, I've said it. Thank you. Okay. Yes. It just comes out your mouth when you're ginned up. <laughs> <laughs>